When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, what a night. Uh, just, uh, first of all, it's, just, it's awesome to have college football back. Um, uh, packed crowds and, and college game day this morning with Coach Corso and live crowds and, and SEC Nation and, and fans and the bands and the cheerleaders and, and everything that makes this sport uh, special. Uh, the energy in here tonight was unbelievable. So kudos to our fans. I mean, it's no surprise, but that Gamecock walk was unbelievable. And I've been a part of a lot of walks where there's a lot of people there, but I don't think I've ever been around one that was as loud as that. I mean, that was just straight screaming uh, from the time we got off the buses to the time we uh, walked in the locker room. And that was that was awesome. The cockpit down there tonight was amazing. So kudos to them and, and our entire uh, entire stadium. We appreciate it, and it made tonight uh, extra special. Uh, today's been an awesome day for me personally. Just the, the emotion of tonight was awesome. I'm so thankful and appreciative for uh, – I haven't even looked at my phone, but just before the game, the amount of text messages I got from people. And thank you if I haven't responded. So many former players that hit me up today. So many high school coaches in South Carolina that texted me good luck and really appreciate those guys. But what a special night. Um, uh, you know, a lot of – a lot to – build up on a lot of good a lot of things to correct obviously but so happy for our players just told them that in the locker room that as, as special as tonight was for me and exciting and 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 whatnot for me personally the most rewarding part the most fun was just seeing the smiles on their faces and the, and the joy in that locker room right now we were always going to celebrate wins the fun they had out there on the field tonight I just uh, uh I love coaching these guys I love being the head coach here at South Carolina and uh what a way to start it uh, tonight, without a doubt. Football! And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Monday episode of the show. Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. Happy Labor Day uh, to all of Gamecock Nation. I am Wes Mitchell, joined here by Chris Clark. And of course, got to tell you real quick, our show is presented by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Uh, Clint, um, absolutely the best in the business. If you're in the market for a refinance or you're in the market just to buy a new home, um, Either way, Clint will uh, help you figure out that entire process and make it seamless. 71597 is his NMLS number, 803-771-6933 or 803-422-6797 are the uh, two ways you can call Clint or just shoot him an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, uh, Clint, the presenting sponsor of GC Live. More information, clinthammond.com. South Carolina a 46 to nothing victory over Eastern Illinois on Saturday. Um, did what they were supposed to do. Um, Beamer ball is officially underway. South Carolina, um, uh, again, I, I think just 
did what they were supposed to do is the thing I keep going back to, Chris. I am partially through my rewatch of the game, and um, I, I think you look, man, and um, from a defensive standpoint, you pitch a shutout. From a special team standpoint, you get the little surprise, two-point conversion. You block two punts and actually have a, a shot at a third. And offensively, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I thought Beamer sort of said it best. Um, they, they kind of started a little bit slow uh, in a sense, but but sort of got better as they – certainly as the first quarter and the second quarter um, progressed, that they got better and better. Um, third quarter started to get some other guys in there. A um, little bit of a lull maybe, and then, um, of course, had the big pick six there in the fourth quarter. It was sort of like the the exclamation point on the entire night. So, um, dude, we're, we're going to go into all the details, but uh, big picture, um, what, what were your initial thoughts um, on South Carolina's 46 to nothing victory and being 1-0 on the season? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think you, you hit it there. Did what they're supposed to do. And, um, you know, I, I think – Trying to project the scoreline of this, I thought was a little bit difficult, Wes, because I figured that if unless South Carolina came out and, to use your line, turned the ball over seven times or something like that, this is a game that they were going to win handily, I think, because their personnel at particular spots especially was so much superior, you know, to Eastern Illinois. And they did that. So uh, were there a few, you know, different things than what we thought as the game played out? Maybe. But I, th- I thought it was hard to project because – figured we would see a lot of guys offensively and defensively ultimately get into this game. Uh, that ended up being even more guys than I thought personally, Wes, going into this game that, that were able to see time. Tons of guys play. Go snap, check out the snap count on GamecockCentral.com if you've not seen it yet. Uh, tons of guys played. And so what that always allows for is those late game, you know, you've got your third, maybe fourth string in, which we saw at some positions. Maybe the other team scores. Didn't see that. First shutout since 2008. Very solid performance in that regard. And offensively, you know, they did what they should have too. Look, two of South Carolina's most explosive plays, another pick six, which Jalen Foster may have stepped out of bounds on that one, but it was at least going to put the Gamecocks right back in the red zone, wiped off the board. Jaheim Bell, long touchdown run, unfortunately wiped off the board, but yeah, I mean, they did what they needed to do because they took care of the football offensively, defensively, completely dominant performance, which I anticipated South Carolina would stymie Eastern Illinois. I think they took it a step further than I even thought there. All right, so let's go ahead and address this from our, our friend first last. Um, man, if you can find one – if you can find one clip – so if you go to GC Live, if you go to uh, YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central – if you can find one clip of us saying one bad word about Zaquandre White, then please just send it over my way. Because, I, I, matter of fact, I'm looking at a story I wrote July 29th, 2020, when I talked to Zaquandre White um, about his journey to, to make it to South Carolina. And actually, if you go to YouTube.com and search for, game, for Zaquandre White, Gamecock Central, you'll see me talking over his JUCO film talking about how he's an instant impact player for South Carolina. If you go back and look when Marshawn Lloyd got injured last year, all of our content, if anybody had had something to say, it would be Kevin Harris because I was the one hyping Zaquandre White when Marshawn Lloyd got hurt, saying he was going to be South Carolina's top back last year. 
So right. Ke- Kevin Kevin has a, a gripe against us from last season. Kevin Harris has the beef. If anybody can find me saying one word bad about Saquandre White, I'm a first last. By the way, if you're on the podcast, you don't you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you're listening and not watching the video and seeing the chat, uh, first last says that the the bandwagon is is full and that Chris and I are not allowed on. But that's okay. If the the folks in the chat can back me up, I I don't I don't even know where that's coming from. So uh, huge. Great night for Zaquandre White. Um, nobody happier for him than us because we know what he's been through being at Florida State, going to JUCO, making it to South Carolina, not getting to play as much last year, working his tail off, and um, being a great teammate, which is something we literally have always said. Um, great night for him, leading rusher, leading receiver, and uh, and caught the football very naturally, I thought, out of the backfield. Um, he – you know, Zaquandre White really did what uh, what we said, um, did what we said we expected from him. Um, if you go back to, your, to a Carolina Confidential from three weeks ago, I actually said, don't be surprised if Zaquandre White was going to be the starter, not to just pencil anyone else in that he's been taking the first team reps at practice. So um, Zaquandre White did essentially um, – what the coaches have been saying he's been doing in practice and what we were saying we were expecting from him. Yeah, no doubt. And personally, our man, he's, he's still going here. Said we show favoritism towards other backs. I, the only thing I can think of, Wes, and, and again, if we can get some specific examples of what we've said, I would definitely be glad to address it. Wes has been for sure the captain of the Zaquandre White train, boat, bus. I feel like I was driving this thing last yeah. June. It, you are. I'll vouch for you. I'll I'll go to my grave with it. I'll I'll take a bullet for you on that. I I can't think of any. The only thing I can think that we said because we spent again. You predicted and I agreed with you that Zaquandre White was going to start this game. So I don't. No favoritism there. If you predict somebody's going to start at a position where there's that was even before Kevin Harris was like officially out of the game, right? So that. Um, we spent like 20 minutes of a whole show talking about how great of, a, of an offseason Zaquandre had had. The only thing I can think of is the other day when I think when we were at Market on Main West doing a, a live broadcast from there, I mentioned a couple players that I was excited to see. One of them was Marshawn Lloyd. One of them was Juju McDowell, obviously both running backs. There's a reason for that. Um, one, there's about 50 players I was excited to see, but we've never seen Juju take a snap. We've never seen Marshawn Lloyd take a snap as a Gamecock. Very curious to see those guys. We've seen some of Zaquandre uh, last season. We've seen some of them in the spring. And we, we've certainly sung his praises. So no favoritism there when you're, when you're calling a guy out as the potential starter. Talk very positively about him. Any, anything, anything that I have said that I'm forgetting, I, I will definitely be glad to address. But I know Wes Mitchell has had no negatives. And I'm – 99% sure, certain I have not either. So, But seriously, it was fantastic. We saw that that clip of Shane Beamer running down Zaquandre White on social media uh, during the game. Pro- I think that was after his long touchdown run, Wes. Great great run by him. Uh, he was getting fired up. I saw Zaquandre on the fourth quarter video that they played. He was jumping all around. He's, he's brought so much to this team, and I thought he had a great performance. He's going to be a key performer you know, going forward. No doubt. And 
here the the running back the running back room is stacked. That's not I, I you know right. I, I said it like this before, Chris. You go into an off season, you go into a spring practice, then you go into a summer, you go into a preseason, and you hear all these little things, and then sometimes you get it confirmed in preseason practice, but you're still um you're still sort of hoping that or you're still wondering, I should say, is it going to look like that in a real game? Or you go into preseason and sometimes you hear, well, this is sort of what we thought, but maybe maybe we were getting ahead of ourselves a little bit on this. Well, I would say running back room, deep, talented, diverse skill sets, confirmed. It was confirmed all preseason. It was confirmed Saturday night. Tight end room, deep. Jaheim Bell about to be a huge part of uh, the offense. Yes, confirmed. We saw that on Saturday. Um, defensive line, particularly defensive ends, depth there. That was what we thought, confirmed in the preseason. I thought, granted, not a great opponent on Saturday, but confirmed then as well. So, um, yeah, it, th- this team so far has kind of been what, what we thought they were going to be, and they did what they were supposed to do against a much lesser opponent, I think. Um, I, I don't want to go too far into that sort of space, Chris, because there's no matter what you do, man, if I sit here – and I say South Carolina did what they were supposed to do. Someone will say, well, it was against Eastern Illinois. And then if I say, well, Eastern Illinois was awful, uh, completely outmatched, someone will just hear that part and will say, well, South Carolina blew out a lesser opponent like they were supposed to. So – the, the truth, though, like the actual nuance of it is like somewhere over here in the middle where you say, yes. What, what, did we, what did we talk about on Friday? We said we may not learn that this is a good South Carolina team by them beating Eastern Illinois. But we may, we may learn they're not an awful team in, that, in certain elements, in that it was kind of like if, if Eastern Illinois moves the football on South Carolina – um, and and sort of threatens them a little bit. That that might tell you something. Now Eastern Illinois not moving the football, not threatening them. We don't quite know yet what that tells us. But I will say this because and sometimes, man, the speed, the the lack of speed for Eastern Illinois compared to the speed for South Carolina can make you look really good um, if you're South Carolina. Um, now the fact that they shut them out first time since. 2008, not 2018, first time since 2008 that South Carolina has a shutout. You've played a lot of crappy teams from now back to 2008, and there were no shutouts in there. Crappy teams. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Right. The fact that the defense this, – this is the first time these guys have ever played together against a real opponent. With that staff, these players, so many newcomers – to shut a team out and not have – you didn't have that one bust that mm-hmm. goes for a touchdown or one bust that even puts them into South Carolina territory and they get to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. That's – you know, I'm, I'm not saying South Carolina – it means South Carolina is the best defense in the SEC, but I think it's a pretty good sign that they were pretty well coached in the preseason, a pretty good sign that they were comfortable in the scheme – a pretty good sign that they knew where they were supposed to be. If you don't know where you're supposed to be, you're going to have a bus no matter who you play. So we, we've talked about, um, you know, 
Zeb Nolan was a topic of discussion after the game by a lot of people because of the quarterback situation. Uh, the special team stuff, a topic of conversation, of course. I almost feel like the defense got a little bit overlooked for that shutout just because there were so many other storylines to talk about. No, you're exactly right. And, and look, again, once you get into – heck, even next week against East Carolina, then Kentucky, then you know Georgia, then Kentucky – play in Tennessee with their type of offense, Florida, Clemson. I mean, you play these types of things. Again, pitching a shutout against Eastern Illinois isn't something that you can project towards that. Again, we we still didn't learn as much because of the level of competition. But, I mean, Wes, this team played Charleston Southern. To use a Southern term, bless their hearts. That was a very poor team, right? They just were not very good. South Carolina hung a bunch of points on them. They still scored in that game, right? Like, they still made some plays. Eastern Illinois made a few plays here and there. They're a completely overmatched team, but you're right. What we saw from this team, uh, you just didn't see a lot of errors that would be alarming if they were making them versus this level opponent because if they're making them against Eastern Illinois, that does not bode well when you step up the competition a lot. So we saw solid tackling, right? We saw assignment football. We saw the defensive line completely overwhelming Eastern Illinois' offensive front. They had to get rid of the ball very quickly. They built that into their scheme to get rid of the ball very quickly. We didn't see wide receivers turning around South Carolina defensive backs in man-to-man coverage. Like We didn't see those things. Now, next week against ECU, we could see a bunch of glaring issues, right? But we didn't see them week one, and I think that was maybe the one thing we learned. It was a really good performance I think watching it back, and I'm still in the middle of a of a more detailed rewatch as far as diving into the scheme, I can see why the players like playing in the defense. Some of the things that they did creatively on third downs, running around, uh, playing fast, playing loose, you could see that. And so I, I do think there were some noticeable things about the defense. And look, Eastern Illinois, here's 0 for 9 on third down. I mean, that's hard to do against a team regardless what it means for the rest of the year i don't know but it was a good performance in week one yeah to me dude oh for nine is hard to do against anybody uh d- doesn't matter um by the way we're, we're talking about our player standouts let's hear from shane beamer sec teleconference with his uh the staff's players of the week this week award winners players of the game from last night zaquandre white was our offensive player of the game thought he played fantastic played hard played physical uh Love what that kid's about, and love how passionate, or love how, with the, how love how much passion he plays with. Defensively, uh, we we chose Jalen Foster as our defensive player of the game. Did a great job back there in the secondary, getting guys lined up, playing physical, uh, had turnovers. Uh, just a really solid night for for Jalen, and happy for him. Special teams wise, uh, each week we we kind of break it down a little bit in some different categories. So each week we'll probably have three for you, but. That was uh, Debo Williams, Darius Rush, and you know, Matthew Bailey. Bailey did a nice job snapping for us all night. Debo uh, was involved with the uh, p- the pump blocks, obviously. And then Darius Rush, just the, the speed that he played with out there uh, at, as a gunner on our punt team. Uh, our scout team players of the week were um, uh, offensively Rico Powers, defensively Hot Rod Fitton, and special teams-wise, Jesse Sanders. So I'm proud to or honored to award those guys with, with that this week. 
So that's uh, Shane Beamer, SEC Teleconference, talking about his top guys. Um, dude, how about uh, let, let's show some love to Darius Rush, by the way, because Darius Rush has been a kid I've I've been a big fan of from when South Carolina signed him. Um, has waited his turn. Then uh, you know, basically when when you had Karan Prunty leave, Cam Smith was out uh, for most of the preseason. Darius was working with the ones, uh, stepped up did his part, did what he was supposed to do, gets the start last night, or Saturday, I should say. Very, very first play of the game defensively for South Carolina. Uh, they test him. Jalen Foster gets the pick, but uh, but it was Darius Rush that made that play. So, um, to me, that that was really cool to see Darius uh, get that opportunity, take advantage, and, um, and, uh, and kind of uh, just do what I'm sure he's dreamed of doing for, for a long time now. Well, and, and Wes, I must say, you're giving yourself the Zaquandre White pat on the back. Will you allow me the self pat on the back for Darius Rush to DB from his high school days? You always make fun of me because I want to make everybody into a defensive back. But, but. Yeah, I'll, now you do – you you've tried to move Shy Smith to DB at one point too. Let me remind you. We, so. we don't need to bring that up. Look, <laughs> Shy Smith would have been. Hey, here it is. Here it is. He would have been um, a first round DB. He's really really good at wide receiver too. I'm just you, saying. You were you were on the Darius Rush to DB bandwagon. I, I guess when you try to move everybody to DB, you're going to hit on one at some point. So. Yeah, but but you were there. I'll, I'll I'll give the credit. You were there. No, I mean, but he's a kid like. He can run. He's got length, like the size, ball skills, obviously, with the receiver background. So we we were even hearing, what was that, I guess maybe last year, like starting back in the spring, Wes, we started to hear Darius Rush. You know, he's coming on. Um, obviously had some guys in front of him, has waited his turn, and he's doing a really good job. So the, the emergence of Rush and then having uh, Marcellus Dial come in and do such a nice job as a JUCO transfer – and then getting Cam Smith back healthy for game one at Cam Smith, I thought played quite well. Really good tackling on the perimeter. Um, given what South Carolina lost in the secondary, I think those are pretty significant developments. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Wesley Sizemore, super sticker. Thanks, man. I don't know what that means, but it, I guess you put five bucks in our pocket, so I appreciate it. Um, A.W. wants to – he says, scout team players of the week, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. What What is the question? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Probably what are, what are scout team players is probably what he meant. That'd be my guess. Um, well, it just means they uh, they did a great job emulating the opponent for South Carolina in practice this week, and yep. really kind of cool, Chris, that those guys get to have a designation. By the way, I don't know if y'all saw Justin King posted it on Twitter. Um, our boy Matt Vaughn from Sonorama working overtime. Um, these guys get posted on the board in the team meeting room, their picture and their designation for, for what they got. So uh, Zaquandre White, Offensive Player of the Week, and everybody else was up there on the board for South Carolina. Pretty, I mean, it, it's cool to recognize the scout team guys as well, not just the guys who get the glory of doing it on the field. No, you're exactly right. And I think that's part of the uh, – Shane Beamer has kind of – put his money where his mouth is or, you know, whatever kind of cliche phrase you want to use um, with some of those things, because it's one thing to kind of talk about, Hey, we want everybody on this team to be, 
you know, a walk on to be just as important as a starter in terms of how we, how we treat them, how we love them. I think this is a small example of that, you know, and Pete Limbo, a special teams coordinator who had be hard to have much of a better night than his, his guys did week one uh, with, with a couple block punts and, you know, a, a trick, trick play for two point conversion field goal. I mean, everything went very smoothly for him but even posted when the team wins, we'll recognize some individual guys. So it sounds like Wes, I don't know, are these going to be just when the team wins, they're going to recognize some certain guys, kind of what it sounded like to me, but, but definitely cool to give. I, I thought the scout team thing was really awesome because that's, that's kind of in some ways a thankless job, like scout team, you've got some walk-ons, you've got some guys that maybe are third or fourth string. They're not going to play as much. I think hot rod fitting in the game, for instance, got, I don't know, between three to six snaps in the game. But to go out there, and, and that's still a very important job during your game prep week for scout teams. So to, to give those guys some recognition, I thought was really cool. No doubt, man. Um, so I was asked on the radio by uh, by Pearson and, and Jay on 107.5 right before I came on here, and they were like, what part of what you saw on Saturday it is most like – repeatable type thing like kind of it's sort of along the same lines of what we're talking about how do you kind of uh, recognize that this was not the greatest opponent in the world um, while also saying what can we learn from this game and their question was the the fact that the defense pitched the shutout like does that mean this is going to be a great defense or um, the fact that special teams did what they did and then I can't even remember exactly how they framed it offensively. Uh, I think it maybe was about, you know, the running backs and Zaquandre White. Um, but, it, you know, it was kind of like, what's what did we learn from this? And the defense, man, I I think I learned that they, they looked well coached and that they understand their assignments. They were in the places they were supposed to be. Um, but the thing that I think we truly learned that carries over because – you're going to face much faster, much bigger opponents uh, defensively. Some things will get exposed. That's just part of it. But the fact that special teams, Chris, were able to make an actual impact for South Carolina, two blocked punts, a third that honestly looked like it was about to be blocked, um, the two-point conversion, the fact that the special teams were sort of a weapon for South Carolina, not that you're going to expect South Carolina to – they probably won't block another punt the entire year. You know, that's possible because you just don't – you don't block a lot of punts. Like, I think I think somebody said the most anybody blocked last year was three. Like, that was uh, for the entire season. So, statistically, you don't block a lot of punts. But the fact they were able to find an edge in special teams. And, yes, it was a lesser opponent, but we haven't seen South Carolina necessarily find that edge – in special teams before Pete Limbo was brought to South Carolina for that very reason. Um, they had it on their scout of Eastern Illinois that they lined up a certain way on, uh, on their opponents, extra points. They took advantage of it to send a message uh, right, right off the bat. So um, what, what do you think about the idea that, that we did maybe learn a little something about South Carolina special teams uh, on Saturday? Yeah, there, there were. I think there was probably an area on on all three phases of the game where we learned something. And, and so I think with the special teams, it's this. 
Well, they face teams that are much better in terms of personnel on special teams and EIU for sure, right? And so the chances of blocking another punt in a game are certainly smaller, blocking two in a game, even smaller than that. But what we do know is Pete Limbo, you just look at his track record and then you already look at game one, he made a schematic impact and a coaching impact in game one. A lot of teams, you know, Every coach in the world is going to give the coach speech. Special teams are very important to us. They're going to say that in press conference, uh, you know, do all these things. But uh, sometimes, Wes, it's just, hey, we're going to let, you know, all these different co- – you know, we're going to just kind of stick a coach as a special teams coordinator. And Pete Limbo is wholly and totally focused on special teams, and he's really good at it too. His career statistics and what he's done, it bears that out. And so we, we saw that game one. So I do think you can learn that – you know, I don't think South Carolina is going to take the field. They may take the field uh, against some of these higher caliber teams that they play this year, and they may still be at a personnel disadvantage against some teams on special teams. But from a schematic standpoint, coaching standpoint, I don't think they will be. So I, I think that's what we learned about special teams in week one. Yeah, and we'll see where South Carolina – you know, I, I can't imagine they're going to be quite as aggressive against some – you know, from week to week. Like, they – it sort of felt to me, honestly, like the, the two-point conversion and then the, the fourth downs when they went for it, you kind of got the impression, even though they said what they were supposed to say in the press conferences this week about the opponent, I think South Carolina knew, all right, we're we're going to – we're completely overmatching Eastern Illinois. So they were able to just say, look, we're going to just go for it on fourth down. Uh, we're just going to stick this two-point conversion in. I think more than anything, though, Chris – and some of it was, yes, put it on tape, make teams prepare for it. We've heard Beamer use that phrase quite a bit. As much as anything, though, I think it was just send a message. Send a message to my team that we're going to be aggressive. You know you know for a fact that Shane Beamer has asked around about what has worked at South Carolina, what the reasons are it didn't work at South Carolina, what the fans think about why it didn't work at South Carolina. We talked about it all last week and the week before. What is what is Beamer's game day approach going to be to in-game management? And part of it was how aggressive are you going to be on fourth downs? Are you going to, you know, you're replacing a staff who leaned conservative in making decisions. And that's a staff that replaced the staff as far as Steve Spurrier that leaned aggressive. So – I think Beamer, Beamer, I'm sure, heard those things. We know for a fact he's asked around about why things ended up the way they did here. So I I think some of that was just sending a message, hey, we're going to have fun here. We're going to be aggressive. Um, we're going to do things that, that fans like. We're going to do things that players like. If you're a player and you see your coach throw a fake uh, two-point conversion in there, the first score of your tenure – to me, that sends a message like, all right, man, for one, special teams could be pretty fun. Two, uh, coach is willing to sort of uh, lay it out there a little bit and not just play by the percentages of of the way this the way the game's always been played mindset. Yeah, and I'll I'll go a little bit, you know, deeper into some things that I observed from from Shane Beamer on Saturday night, watching kind of watching him live. Um, I did try, obviously first priorities, you know, pay attention to the game, but watching live in the stadium, trying to observe what he was like on the sideline, just what is he doing? Is he standing still? Is he moving around? Just different things like that, how he's interacting with players. And then 
going back on the rewatch and obviously they're, you know, panning up close to him and you can see his reactions to different things. And that did give a pretty cool sense of what he's going to be like on the sideline. We talked about that leading up to the game, you know, what is kind of his demeanor going to be? We, we expected him to be aggressive. Wes probably even a little bit more aggressive than we thought. I didn't expect a two point conversion after the first touchdown of the game. So he did that, but I think he was kind of a mix man. If we saw, um, you know, a lot of loving up on players, like I mentioned with the Zaquandre White thing earlier, we saw him super excited, for example, um, the first interception and a lot of the big plays. We also saw him getting after some guys a little bit. I remember Cam Smith made that big tackle on that little tunnel screen, went around a guy, tackled him, and he did kind of a little pose for the crowd. And Beamer, on the rewatch, he was not happy about that, right? So uh, there are some things there. He's been very vocal uh, after the game and even more so on the Sunday teleconference about the penalties. I mean, he's like, they're even dumber than we thought. Like, so he he's kind of been a mix of that. And so accountability plus kind of the, the loving up the players and thing. I thought it was a pretty interesting mix. And I, I do think we got a sense of what he's like, you know, as a coach from a sideline kind of demeanor standpoint. Yeah, and by the way, shout out. Uh, I just put the banner up. Wade Burnett, uh, hope you're doing much better, buddy. Wade is a big supporter of GC Live, so happy birthday to him, uh, Wade. Hope it's a great one, man. Um, go buy yourself some cake. Uh, put it on Chris Clark's tab. Um, it, it's, on, it's on him. I was going to say it's on us, but it's on him. Uh, but, no, nah, seriously, happy birthday, man. Hope, hope it's a good one for you. And, yeah, so I, I also – so I was in the press box for the game. So I, I missed this, but I was told um, by a reliable source who had excellent tickets, reliable source being my girlfriend, that Shane Beamer hugged pretty much every single player after they scored. That like if when you were coming back onto the sideline from the field, that uh, you you were getting a Beamer hug. Um as well. So it it was kind of, it was interesting, man. He, we saw, you know, and I don't, I don't even bring this up as a negative. I bring this up actually as a positive. We saw several guys. Um, some of them were unnamed who got suspended for, for game one. So, you know, he, he even, he made a comment um, after one of the touchdowns. I actually watched the, the Shane Beamer coaches show on Sunday. He made a comment about I could do without that celebration. Um, you know, go, go celebrate with your teammates. It's not that you, he doesn't want you to celebrate. It was go celebrate with your teammates. So it, it's kind of interesting that you have, and he's, he's a little bit old school in some stuff. Like we're, we're going to be a disciplinarian. We're going to, you know, you're going to have to have accountability in this program. We're not going to be about celebrations individually, but it's very new school in a, a point of, we're not going to just, just cuss out the players and and sort of have that just fire and brimstone type approach that old school oh, I'm gonna make a man out of you type um, you know 1985 coaching style it's more you know positivity positivity love stuff like that so we are we are sort of learning Beamer's style right in front of our very eyes and I would imagine Chris he's probably even learning a little bit about what his, like I know he's always envisioned it, I'm sure, but first time as, as a head coach. So he's probably learning a little bit as he goes. Well, that was 
that was why for South Carolina, I think, again, we, we don't know yet how the rest of the year is going to go. We know that there's going to be adversity. The next game against East Carolina is going to carry a lot more adversity, even if they win by a decent amount. Um, it's going to carry a lot more adversity. Then the next week against Georgia is going to have a whole bunch, right? Like <laughs> it gets tougher from here. But it was really cool for this program and, frankly, really needed to have the fortune of being able to start out with a game like this. We said that all leading up to the game. But just after it happened and for us to be able to see how it went, I think it was just perfect. It was so needed for this program because the whole night was like a celebration. Like it was like it was like being released from like purgatory or something, right? Like last year was so miserable for this team. And I don't just mean losing and like just we've heard so many things, Wes, about how hard last year was. Players, coaches, support staffers, fans, it was hard for everybody. Um, and so after an off season that was chock full of like positivity, trying to build things back up to be able to come out in week one and kind of exercise that um, and have a very positive game with a lot of great things happening and a lot of people got to play. That was, I mean, you couldn't have asked for anything better to, to start the year and start this era. Now it gets tougher, you know, from here, there'll be adversity, how they react to that'll be key. And, and, that first game and, and the positivity and all that, that doesn't mean they're going to go win eight games this year. It doesn't mean that. But they just needed that to kickstart this new era of the program, I think. I, I, I thought they played loose, Chris. Like, yeah. Is there something to be said for that? There was all that was kind of always what, what are, what are the sort of underlying um, results or consequences, I should say, of sort of taking a, a conservative approach to a game. and Because we, we always sort of heard South Carolina played tight. Um, South Carolina played tight. That, that's an argument from a lot of people. South Carolina played tight in big games um, under the previous regime. And, you know, and, and there's all kinds of reasons why you lose games. And it's sometimes, even in hindsight, you know, did they play tight or were they just not as good as their opponent? Did they play tight or did the opponent have a better plan? Mm-hmm. Um, did they play tight or was it just not their night? I mean, there's a, there's a million reasons why. Whether, whether they did or not, I, I tend to sort of lean towards the, the message you send to your team matters and that there is something to be said for because I heard it from people in the program too that that South Carolina there was such a tightness like permeating the program that it spread to the players in, in big games. Again, not an opponent that could really do any damage to South Carolina, but I think it was important, like you said, that celebration aspect you're talking about, going for two right off the bat, going for it on fourth down to go ahead and send the message to the players. Yes, we're going to have fun. Yes, there are also going to be consequences if you do things wrong, but we're not going to go out there and then talk a big game, but then the second we're in the game, dial back and um, essentially not have an aggressive approach. Beamer said, I want to be aggressive. We got our first opportunity to actually see him do that and put that into action um, on Saturday. Yeah, he was, and, and and I do agree. I think the team played loose. Now, you know, obviously some of that was a product of, of the opponent just in, in the results, right? But 
Um, I think they they look confident. They look loose. They look ready to go. And Wes, before – oh, thank you, Jim. Before we dive, I want to dive into Jim's comment, obviously. We're talking about loose and tight. One thing that you know is when you put on your socks in the morning to go to work, for those of you that wear socks to work, Wes and I do not always have to. But when we go to events, we're going to be wearing a nice pair of socks. Check out our partner at Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. And the reason I brought up loose and tight, perfect fit, right? You're not going to go, these are too loose because they have the patented non-slip technology. They're not too tight. They fit just right. All sorts of stuff, whether it's the college line with the spur socks that if you're on the stream, you see in the top left corner, patriotic socks, dress socks, athletics, no shows, whatever you're looking for. Deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and use the promo code COCKY for 25% off. Make sure you check those guys out. Chris, let's uh, let's give a shout-out to Jim. Um, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Hooking us up with some brews. <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, use that to buy some steel hands for the Kentucky game, next home game. Yep, that's right. Jim, really, really appreciate that. Jim, if you have a question, um, throw it in there. Throw it out there. You you move to the front of the line with that with that tip, Jim. Uh, for those of you who are on the podcast and not seeing the video, Jim tipped us twenty bucks. So we appreciate that, man. We had wait, by the way, we had a question. I believe Chris, it was from Miss Lynn. Um, threw us a question on the Insiders Forum before we got started, and she said, "Did South Carolina empty the bench in the game?" And uh, I know you did the uh the snap count i would say and chris you you can provide more details they did not empty the bench to an extent of like playing everybody they got they got it was more like they got their first and second teamers quite a bit of reps and then got into that third string as well probably the best way to say it yeah, and, and they even got into some fourth stringers, you know, at certain spots. So it was, it was really good for that standpoint. So not counting special teams snaps. I would actually like to – I do need to go back and kind of look to see were there any extra guys that only played on special teams. I need to go through and do one more run through that, Wes. But I think just short of 70 players played in the game um, in terms of offensive or defensive snaps. So – that's your starting 22 and then a, a bunch of other ones. So, you know, the defensive line, I think, had the highest number of guys. I think they had like 16 guys play or something up front. You know, different guys. We saw, you know, TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett, two true freshmen. They got some run. Colton Gothier got in the game at quarterback. You know, we knew Juju McDowell. We figured he would play. But a whole bunch of guys played uh, West in this game. So, I think probably as good as you could ask for in terms of getting – some guys, some extra run late in that contest. Uh, SC Scout guy said Trey Atkins has to be four string. I think Trey is probably third in the slot, right? Because you've got to carry on. And by the way, we weren't even sure going in. Um, Chris, remember we discussed how the receivers be like lined up. Uh, Van, it was kind of like Van and Brooks were the two when they ran two tights. And then uh, Joyner was the third when they had a slot receiver out there. Amarian Brown was a slot receiver with a second group. And I think Trey Atkins was the third string slot receiver. Um, speaking of those guys, I keep remembering stuff that I had planned on us talking about, Chris, and I and then I, re- I realized that I'd forgotten to bring them up. We can't go this whole show 
without mentioning Josh Van because it was a small sample size. But, dude, Josh Van, I think if you're a Gamecock fan out there, you should be encouraged by what we saw from Josh Van. Remember what we talked about when we were just like, something good needs to happen for Josh early in this season. He had a nice first down reception where he uh, had that crossing route where he made the catch and made a guy miss, got upfield, got the first down, sort of made something out of nothing. He had the touchdown catch, small sample size, but for, for one, I mean, in one game, he looked like South Carolina's best wide receiver because let's be honest, man, this, this offense, if, if you want to find like a concern possibly, as much as we've talked about receivers all offseason, um, the, the passing game, if you look at, if you look at the, the box score, you're going to see what? Lots of catches from tight ends, lots of, ca- lots of catches from running backs. Some of that, Chris, by design, of course, some of that we expected. But if you look at targets, there were some balls that, for whatever reason, if you want to call it drops, you want to call it um, contested catches, you want to call it that the ball is a little bit too far for Jalen Brooks. Um, there were some balls to wide receivers. Um with Brooks and to carry on that, um, you know, I'm sure South Carolina wanted to, to complete. So I think let, let's throw kudos to Josh Van. A good start to the season for him. Let's also, you know, I, I think if you're going to nitpick, um, we are in the sort of nitpicking range here. If you're going to nitpick on the offense, to me, that was the thing. How much of it with running backs and tight ends is, is just that that's what this offense is going to be. It's going to have to be. And how much is it that you still – need some receivers again small sample size but need some receivers to step up and do we read in at all to uh to Rico Powers as the scout team offensive player of the week is he is that something to tag away in the back of our minds for the future yeah I mean that that will be interesting do other guys get some opportunities now we did see a decent amount you know a Marion Brown for instance he was in the game even earlier than I had realized you know looking back at the at the rewatch Ortray Smith got in. So, so good to see Ortray Smith get back in there and catch a pass. Uh, first ball that he's caught since uh, 2018, I think, Wes. So it's been a while for him. Great to see Josh Van. That that crossing route catch that he had on third, I think it was a third and seven or third and nine. That was not an easy catch. Ball was a little bit high and behind. He snatched it out of the air, made a guy miss, got the first down. Uh, look quick. I, I still think that he is – from top to bottom and from the talent standpoint, the most potentially dangerous, I'll underline potentially, the most potentially dangerous guy at wide receiver for Carolina because of his skill set. Now, that hasn't been proven out, but it's very positive to see those plays, and you can tell it built some confidence for him. You know, his reaction after those plays, confidence builders for him. And you, you went into this into that week saying, you know, he needed something good to happen. It did. Um to your point about the receivers needing to step up. Yeah, that's a concern you still take away from this game because, well, there weren't a lot of explosive passing plays, a lot of it by design, but South Carolina needs to hit some of the plays that they have shown the capability to hit through game one. So the Brooks pass, slightest of overthrows after rewatching it numerous times. I think it should have been called. Difficult catch, yes but the kind of catch that South Carolina needs to, to make. They, they need to have that play work out. They don't need drops on routine plays. Mm. These are the types of things that they have to avoid. They're not going to go out 
and pass for 500 yards against SEC teams. Not happening, right? They're not going to have four 75-yard touchdowns in a game. Not going to happen. But they need to make those routine plays. They need to be able to keep defenses honest throughout the year by hitting those deep ones. So still a concern. Still by no means a finished product. It's room to improve, but but I did notice that. I, I think Amarian Brown, someone to watch as the year goes on. We'll see. And I'm with you, man. I, I rewatched that thing. Um I re rewatched that thing several times, the uh the the pass to um to Jalen Brooks. It's one of those things that you watch once or you watch in the stands and everybody around you is like, Oh, you gotta catch the ball, you gotta catch the ball. Um, and then you really like look at it and you're like, okay, take an average human and say, go run full speed, put a helmet on, and then I'm going to say go and turn around and I'm going to lock the ball over your shoulder, Willie Mays style, go catch it. And then you say, okay, it's not an easy play. But then you sort of get to the other side of it and you say, you know what, you're an SEC starting wide receiver. Um, it, it, gets your, it hits your hands. Probably a ball you want your guy to bring down. So it's not one of those things where it's just like a pure drop, in my opinion, but that that you'd like to see your guy catch. Um, in the positive category, Jaheim Bell, he was—I mean, he was a, a holding call away from having. He, he's, in my opinion, still had a huge day. Like we saw the flashes. Statistically, it just didn't quite show up like it would have, but. Um, the guy, the guy got the football from the tight end position. He got the football from the fullback position. They jet sweeped, hand, handed it off to him. I mean, Jaheim, uh, it, it's as expected because we've talked about it pretty much all offseason. But great, great sign for him to, to translate it. Um, he went up and stole that touchdown, I think, from, from someone else. Um, but, yeah, great, great day, great start to – a career for Jaheim Bell, where I think only be, only the beginning for Jaheim. Uh, shout out Shane Dowell, a uh, twenty bucks tip. Appreciate you, man. He said, "Would love to see Joiner throw from the quarterback position to keep opponents from loading the box." Also, EJ Jenkins looks menacing. Got to get him more looks. It will be interesting to see how they rotate those tight ends as the year progresses. I saw Trey Kenyon. You know, we talked about Trey uh, the last couple of weeks. How he was coming on. Trey was out there, man. He was out there probably more than most people noticed, just quietly going about his business. But, Chris, do you agree with Shane that maybe maybe we see Joyner get in there and and uh, and launch one here soon? Yeah, you'd certainly think that's in the cards, uh, certainly in the playbook for, you know, te- teams know he's going to be out there. They know that he's not just a running back back there, right? Like he's a guy that has a quarterback background, so he's – Got the opportunity, the ability rather, to to throw the ball. So I would I would think that we'll probably see that at some point this year. And and EJ Jenkins, game one, yeah, didn't play a ton, didn't play a lot. Um, but gotta remember he also did towards the end of preseason practice, he missed some practice time. So keep that in the back of your mind. Um, probably someone they can continue to bring along throughout the year. Maybe Wes, because given where we saw him line up you might see more sets with him in it as opposed to some of these formations, maybe with three wides, maybe you look at putting EJ in there. Uh, we saw them scheme up a play specifically for him, kind of put him out wide, put him in motion and tried to shake him free, made sure they had man coverage. They did. Ball was a little high, kind of went 
just above his hands. Um, and then he was out there. He was out there some um, really in a, either kind of a slot look or an, an outside receiver even look from that tight end position. So some some interesting ways that they used him and, and Jaheim Bell and, and Trey Kenyon. It was pretty cool stuff. Hey, Wes, I'm sure you got another topic. I wanted to make sure we hit this one because there's been a lot of discussion on it. And I know we're running low on time. Missed tackles, right? Let's let's take the factor out of EIU's backs and receivers are not, you know, Georgia or any other SEC team. Um, how many missed tackles do you think there were on Saturday night? Got a good guess. I'm going to say two. That, that would be really, really good. So according to PFF, I have not gone through and counted this myself. So keep in mind how they count a missed tackle. They say four. Okay. So pretty good on the night, you know, and, and a missed tackle, I mean, it might be one guy misses it and somebody else cleans it up. You know, we'd have to go through and kind of count them. But that is a pretty good metric. I, I had not noticed that being a glaring issue. So I uh, I wanted to go through and check. So PFF says four missed tackles on Saturday. Pop Sosa keeps saying they had South Carolina last in the SEC. Who are you talking about, Pop, is what I want to know. Um, and, yeah, Bullish says to hit the hit the like button. If you're, on, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit whatever buttons are on there. Um, push everything. Um, so, Chris, what else do we need to hit? Okay, I keep pushing this back. Jordan Birch. Um, dude, the speed, the speed that this dude showed. And I, I, I hope, I hope many of you were at the game because it was not accurately captured on video. Just the speed this dude exploded towards the end zone with, um, Pearson and them asked me, was it the fastest I've ever seen a big man run? Um, I said, let, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to be a, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to remember. I'm not going to be have recency biased. Jadavian Clowney is still on another plane than anyone else. Um, so we're just going to take seven out. Like, you kind of just have to throw seven out of the conversation with these things. Melvin Ingram – Punt return, or fake punt, I should say, at Georgia. I was there live for that one, too. That was pretty incredible. This one may – Birch may have been moving faster. What was that? One of the fastest big man touchdowns you've ever seen in person. Oh, easy. I mean, he he, he made the play and, and started running. I mean, had not even finished his – started running and I literally just out loud was like, good Lord. <laughs> you know, like, wow. My jaw dropped. Like literally I was, I was watching like this. I was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, a, a, a man that size should not move that fast. There's just, there's just no way. So it was, yeah, it, it was pretty incredible. He just, he just left everybody. So um, yeah, that was amazing. You're, I mean, I, you're right. I rewatched it and it's like, wow, that's impressive. But, you know, being there live and seeing it was was really something else. So that was out. That was something. The, the whole play was just amazing. Yeah that 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 was 
I don't know. I don't even know how to put it in words. That was that was awesome. And, and finally, Chris, we have not talked quarterbacks all day. We got five minutes left. First of all, what what did you think of Nolan's performance, man? I I thought interestingly enough, it was kind of, it was like almost exactly what it was billed to be. <laughs> Right. Like to like you know sometimes right. a guy plays way better than you expect. Sometimes you know a guy doesn't live up close to the expectations you have for him. I thought it was almost quite literally exactly what we expected it to be. It was. I mean, he just you didn't see any negative plays by Zeb. He he almost took what what we expected and even like took it to another level even like we saw like I don't I, I'm not saying he meant to do this but we saw him like he took an intentional grounding instead of coming close to taking the sack we saw him you know improvising some whether it was you know kind of shifting in the pocket just a little bit to get a throw off we saw him run on that third and nine um Zeb still I, I think still working into game shape a little bit based on <laughs> how he looked after that run. Aren't we um, all though? Aren't we, aren't all? we all? But uh no, seriously, but he he did it. He did. I thought a really good job. I mean, you know, again, we, we don't even need to have the caveat of well, it was Eastern Illinois. Like to go in and perform like that and give South Carolina exactly what they needed. He took care of the ball. That was the number one key to this game offensively. Take care of the ball. Don't take a bunch of bad sacks. Don't put the ball in danger. That's what they needed to do. And that's what he did. And I think he did that and more. Like he made some plays from the quarterback position for this team, got him in the right looks, even small things. Like one time there was a play, South Carolina got the play in a little late. Zeb was kind of motioning towards the sidelines to get it in. They huddled. When they broke the huddle, he hurried everyone to the line and got everybody situated and then was able to get the snap off. So just little stuff like that where they were able to avoid mistakes. Now, they still had some administrative penalties that, you know, were not really on Zeb, uh, intentional grounding aside, but I thought he administered the game very well and, and even did a little more than that. Yeah, the uh, the penalties still, I, I would say, probably the biggest, the thing that most uh, miffed Beamer. No doubt, no he doubt. He said, I went back and counted. He said, we had some dumb, 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 penalties five dumbs dumb times five um who's going to be the starting quarterback on saturday for south carolina against east carolina shane beamer is not going to tell you we'll see i'm not going to get into naming who our quarterback is before we get up to east carolina on saturday we'll see how the practice goes again i'm not putting luke Doty out there before he is ready and um and uh, uh, before he's ready and healthy and, you know, just got off the field. We're getting into East Carolina prep here tonight and tomorrow and getting ready for practice on Tuesday, and we'll see how the week goes. Shane, this is Ben. Just to, to clarify, did you say you, you don't plan to name a starter before Saturday at quarterback? Don't know why I would. Um, I'm sure Coach Houston would love that, and um, and he knows. I mean, he's got to get ready for to carry on Joyner and – and he's got to. They've got to get ready for Luke Doty and Zeb, and and you know we do a lot of different things offensively. So no, and guys, I'm not going to come in there on Tuesday and tell you who the starting quarterback is. So you don't need to waste time asking questions about who the quarterback is going to be and what the reps look like because I'm not getting into it. So um, sorry, um, that's where we are. Someone, someone is going to ask. I can't wait. 
It's going to be great. I know who it's going to be too, but I'm not going to say it. Um, uh, multiples. multiples. Who, uh, who who is going to be the starting quarterback, Chris? Dude, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it depends on – I'm sure they have a plan for Luke as far as kind of having a general outline of what he's going to be able to do at practice this week. I think we'll probably have a better sense, right, as the as the week progresses toward, and, and we get to closer to Saturday. Still very much seems like a day-to-day situation. But, you know, I could see Luke maybe not starting and playing some. I could see him starting. I, you know, I just don't know yet. You, you might have a better sense of me on that one, but – I'm not sure that we'll know until later in the week because you kind of have to assess, you know, internally where he's at. Yeah, no, I, I don't know either. I just wanted to put you on the spot and see see what you'd say. Cause they, How about they, I ask on Tuesday? How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they put me on the spot on the radio, and I was like, look, I'm not – I was like, y'all y'all walked me into this Zeb thing when Zeb first um, – when he first became a, a quarterback on the roster – and I, t- I told Pearson, we were talking about what, how far down would it have to get before Zeb would play. And, um, and Pearson and I were talking about it off air. And then this – and he basically said on air what I had said. And it was because it was too early um, that I was like, you know, I, I think he's just going to be a backup option. And then about – it took two or three days, and I was like, oh, crap, this – this guy's about to be – he's going to be – actually, at the time, I said publicly he's going to play. Right. I said privately he's he's going to start. Yeah. And um, so I'm not going to dive into that where we don't know. It's Monday. Now, will we have a good idea by Thursday? I, w- I would imagine so. I would imagine so. But, um, yeah, right now he's got he's got a couple of good options. And like you said, you could play it – even if it's the same result, you could play it a couple of different ways where you could start Zeb and then put Doty in. If, or you could just say, you know, we're going all out and, and starting Doty if, if you're the staff. But I, you got to get Doty on. If Doty's your guy, you got to get him on the field this week and not have him going to Athens for the first time he plays this year. Now, I, I don't buy into this whole, well, you can't do that to a young quarterback, like you'll ruin his confidence. But Luke Doty is a very mentally tough dude. Like I, I don't, I don't worry about that with Luke Doty. But um, you just don't want to do that to the guy anyway. He needs to get some playing time under his belt first. So we'll see, uh, Chris. Uh, we got what Tuesday press conference tomorrow, coordinators on Wednesday, Beamer show on Thursday night. So plenty of media availabilities to go. Plenty of shows to go. We'll have shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. So uh, hopefully you all will join us for, for all those as well. For Chris, I'm Wes. We're out of time, and we will see you on Tuesday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.